All right, welcome to Highways and Hedges. Uh, this is a podcast of the ministry Agros. Agros is seeking to find, train, and support small town pastors in Northeast Kansas and Northwest Missouri. My name is Joe, and I've got my buddy Will with me here. What's up? Who first talked me into this podcast, but now wants nothing to do with it. So I'm going to try to uh, ask him a few questions today and see if we can uh, talk about some interesting stuff. That's not true. I'm just good at starting things. I'm not great at following mm. through on things. That's okay. Hey, uh, Will, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about why you should be trained locally by two guys who weren't. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. Uh, I was thinking of describing it as the value of being trained where you're from, which is the I same was thing. Close. As, yeah, you were close. So, But I, I was uh, wanting to say it in that way because I had a couple of things in mind that specifically relate to that. Um, but just to introduce the topic first, because Will doesn't know anything about it, and I haven't really even thought about it either. So this will be a, a good informal discussion. Hopefully it can be thoughtful and profitable for you. It'll, I think it would be helpful for both of us, though, just to think about it out loud together. Um, one of the things that first put this on my mind, and we've probably talked about this before, is rural brain drain. Mm, Have yep. we talked about that? Yep. Um, and the basic concept, this is not really from Christian ministry circles, this is more from sociology, but the idea is that uh, rural areas invest most of their resources in the people who will leave to go for higher education and never come back. They, the teachers invest in the best students, the coaches invest in the best athletes, and then once they've poured all their time and energy into those students, they leave to go to a college and once they've graduated, they never come back. So the rural community is pouring all of its resources into personnel who will never come back and serve their communities. Anyway, it seems like churches are also doing that in some way. It seems like churches often raise up their raise up leadership material, send them away to a Bible college or a seminary, and they never come back to the small town that sent them out. And what made what made me want to think about uh, this topic today was not just saying what's the the, the value of being trained where you're from. Um, I didn't just want to say the value is that the church has leaders, that the small town church has leaders. I think that that's kind of evident. If we didn't send the leadership material away, and maybe you don't agree with that, I'm just thinking that that seems like an obvious value. That if we didn't send our leaders away and they stayed to serve the church, there would be some value to churches in that. Is that something you would agree with say that again what do you mean as far as the value of training future leaders where they're from can you see that there would be a value to the church kind of reversing this rural brain drain flow by saying instead of sending our students to a bible college far away who will never come back yeah it would benefit the church to just say let's keep them here and raise them up to be a leader in our church would you well yeah i think maybe I mean, the first thing that comes to mind with that is um, just the idea of being able to be with the same church for a long period of time. Um, I think it can be difficult if you basically, you know, go to seminary to become a pastor and that becomes your job. And then you kind of, you know, serve at a church for a couple of years here, serve at a church for a couple of years over there. Um, it can be hard to build the kind of long-term relationships. Um, you just, you don't have that opportunity. But I mean, if you're already committed to, you know, this is, this is the church where I'm from, this is my church family, 
um, just the the kind of opportunities you can you can have. Um, we you interviewed uh, Pastor Tony Buford um, uh, a few episodes ago, and just to think he has had a unique opportunity where he's stayed at the same church and pastored the same church for what the past thirty years. Is that right? More than thirty, I think. So, and he's gotten to just see God's fruit and God's faithfulness. And, you know, he, he's said before he can look out into the congregation and see, you know, the, the parents and the children and now the, um, the, the, you know, grandchildren all sitting in the pew and just that he's gotten to see, um, God do a lot, a lot of cool things just by staying in the same place. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. So, so there's advantages to that. I guess that's the first thing that pops to mind. Which but. is good. I feel like what you're saying could just apply simply to the advantage of ministering in one place for a long time, but not not specifically applying to being trained where you plan to minister for a long time. But I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong. It yeah. kind of applies to both. But I do want to focus specifically on the training aspect. Before I ask about that, though, did you ever hear... Um, you went to a Bible college. I went to a seminary. Did you ever hear any of the professors talk about um, the importance of coming to study there, that it's better to go study at the institution as opposed to, to using the online classes or commuting? That If you can, a residential, residential training is so much better, a much, much better experience. Um, I don't recall specifically... Um, I know, I remember them just emphasizing these, these are the years that you're devoting to school. So you don't have to, you don't have to feel like you need to go be doing a hundred other things Mm -hmm. right now, but these are specific years set aside to, um, learn and grow. Um, I mean, really one of the, one advantage of going somewhere else, um, Contra the theme of yeah, this podcast. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead and present the other side. But going to a different context, you it, it just gives you a different perspective to be able to. Um, I mean, in my case, I did I did essentially come back. Um, although I'm not originally from St. Joe, I was here for a bit, and then went went up to Bible College, and then came back here. But it gave me um, just a different experience to be able to compare and contrast. Okay, how were things done? you know, in, um, at Bethlehem college in, you know, Bethlehem church, how are things done there that, you know, we do differently. So having that, um, I mean, you would probably say the same thing about your cross-cultural experience in Scotland, that it, it's given you, um, fresh perspective in some way. Yeah. Um, Exposure to different, uh, methods and different philosophies of ministry and even just different personalities. I can see that's valuable. Did you find anything else valuable about going away to college that you thought this, yeah, was a really good experience because I went away? Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the reason, one of the reasons we have seminaries and Bible colleges is um, hopefully the people who are teaching there are... I don't want to say experts, but they um, hopefully know more than your average Joe. Haha, <laughs> you're Joe. Oh, no. Um, they all definitely know more than me, and I'm not even an average, <laughs> average Joe. I'm like subpar Joe. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I'm really appreciative of my experience just because um, I did get to learn from 
some great professors and um yeah so i, I don't know well, i mean why don't instead of you trying to <laughs> fish fish for a case for i'm gonna get local, the right answer you? out of you here in a second just wait just wait yeah. i'll prove you wrong since, since <laughs> no you're, you're, those I'm are things gonna... i want to talk about but i do think one thing you haven't mentioned yet and i think it's actually the hidden jewel of going away for residential training is the and and schools don't really i don't think bible colleges and, and seminaries promote this enough it's the community of people that you're surrounded by yeah. that makes a dramatic difference in your experience you're surrounded by other men and women who take what they believe very seriously yeah who all want to grow in the faith a lot you're being led by um, you know, professors who, like you said, are experts, but also their whole life is devoted to, we want to see the gospel advancing and spreading and deepening in people's lives and creates a really unique environment that I'm not sure I've experienced anywhere else. Yeah. Have you, would you say that you experienced a, a uniquely well, uh, that's strong a, Christian community? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. But for me, I, um, I was homeschooled and then, you know, we lived on a ranch, I was homeschooled and then my only college experience was Bible college. And so you, you on the other hand, um, at least went to uh, state university first and got your bachelor's there and then you went to um, seminary after that. So you might have, you might be able to kind of compare and contrast. Anyway, all I'm saying is I think I just took it for granted. So yes, now that you say that, I, I think that is a great point. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't really think about that because it was all, all I knew. Yeah. Right. You, know? you wouldn't so, notice it as, uh, but no, right. I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, the, especially, you know, the, the college that I went to, it was intentionally small. So we, um, we built strong relationships with one another and, um, you know, I lived in a house with five other guys and yeah, there was, there was accountability. There was. Mm-hmm. Um, encouragement there was yeah just and like when you're when your faith is waning and you feel like I just don't want to study these topics this doesn't feel that important anymore you're surrounded by everyone you run into is saying no this matters this will matter for eternity that kind of community is really valuable so I right. I don't mean to I, like bringing up this topic try to say there's no value in going away to be trained I think what you you brought up at first is that you're you're getting experts teaching you or something like experts you're you're developing as an individual by getting exposed to things that you're not accustomed to you know hearing new things new approaches to church and stuff that's helping you you know by that contrast develop your own convictions and then this last one i brought up you there's a community that develops there of relationships that really makes the studying valuable but i want to ask if you feel like there's any um can you imagine there being any bad motives in a young Christian man who wants to be trained and wants to get out of his small town for it, that thinks, I have no, I'm, I'm sick of my small town and I can't wait to get out. If he's feeling that and Bible college or seminary is what he wants to go to, yeah. can you imagine that kind of situation? And would you say like, here's why I don't think that that's the healthiest way to think about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you're just viewing the ministry as I'm going to climb the career ladder and it means get out of my small town and um, get a degree and then get a good job and then start with a smaller church and then move to a bigger church and then, you know, 
get to a mega church. If I mean, if that's how you're viewing the ministry, that's um, I don't think that's what <laughs> the essence of shepherding God's people is, right, is right. about. So, um, yeah, I, I can see that. What if a guy was saying to you, uh, it's not that I hate my small town. It's just that everybody knows me and they're not going to listen to me. He might even say, you know what? A prophet is never honored in his hometown. I need to get out of my small town because yeah. nobody here is going to listen to the things I have to say. I, I want to go get trained somewhere else. And then I love this church, but I don't want to come back here because they know me. I know them. This relationship's not going anywhere. So I want to go, you know, I want to till new ground somewhere else. Is that... I'm unhealthy or just are there some reservations you would have to say let's dig a little bit deeper into this before you just make the decision based on that yeah i I mean i would just ask how do you know they won't listen to you um yeah yeah, i don't know what are your thoughts joe (laughs) look at you being an interviewer now one reason why this came to mind is because of that very question i thought um I know it in my own in my own uh, heart. There's a when you're accustomed to people, you have the I don't know. You you're aware of all of their frustrating tendencies. You know, like that's just the way they are. Um, you know, the people you grew up around or whatever. And I think that happens probably even more in a small town because the communities are so small. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody's history, and it just feels like. All the relationships are what they are, and they're pretty stuck there. And I'm not going to change anybody. Yeah. So I want to get out to be trained somewhere else. I don't want to be trained here because I know nothing's going to happen here. These relationships all feel stuck. Okay, with this hypothetical person, are they leaving to get trained and they intend to come back or not? They just want to get out of Dodge. It's possible that, like, in this hypothetical situation, I'm not even thinking about uh, someone who really wants to get out and never come back. They, they could be like, oh, I'm indifferent to coming back. I just don't want to be trained here because I can yeah. tell that during my training time, these people are not going to respond to the things that I care about. I've already tried to interact with people about these things as I've grown in a desire for ministry. And I know, you know, great uncle Leroy, he's never going to stop, you know, uh, complaining and being bitter about what uncle Joe did 20 years ago, you know, like those kind of frustrations, feeling aware of that and feeling kind of almost claustrophobic in your relationships. I think can be something that kind of just pushes you away and makes you feel like, you know what? No, I want to go get trained and then go to a church that doesn't know me at all. So I don't have to deal with all of these. Right. Well, a couple, a couple thoughts on that. I mean, Number one, I think I think it could cut both ways. Where maybe you would maybe you'd have more problems because everybody knows you, but it also could be a great advantage because you can be you have maybe earned people's trust. I mean, if you're actually a person of integrity and who meets the qualifications of an elder, um, as found in the Bible, then you know you you have a reputation, you have a track record. Um, so maybe you're more trustworthy, and also. Um, you might just have more relational capital where, you know, you can you can say something to somebody that you know well and have a relationship with and they know they love you. Yeah. If you have years, you know, years worth of showing that you're not going anywhere and you're going to um, still love them and be there for them, you can, you can say things to them when they need correcting um, 
just with that, like I said, relational capital there. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it might not, it might not only be a problem. Yeah. Um, right. So, oh, I don't, um, I guess, so you've, you've kind of made this hypothetical situation. Do you, do you see that happening a lot? Do you think that, um, there are a lot of people like that who they just want to get away and yeah, they like, like what, what made you even think about this, that this could be a problem? Is it people, people that you've met that you think that is actually a, a fairly typical type of person, um, that kind of fits this description, what you're talking about? Yeah, I have, I've, I know of at least like two situations come to mind now um, where this has happened um, and then just know in myself so maybe it's more of my own like personal reflection um, thinking about my own heart I know the the tendency I have to just want to yeah be uh, like maybe even part of my impulse to do missions was I don't really want to deal with the the ordinary frustrations of sin in other people that I'm actually aware of and thought, you know what, if I could get somewhere where nobody, I'm not dealing with any of those relational issues and I could just start with a clean slate, just make it about the gospel of Jesus and do that teaching that I'd somehow not have to deal with those issues. And actually what I would, so I'd just like to piggyback on what you were saying a second ago and kind of double down on it. I think when we want to leave our relationships and go do ministry somewhere else, go get trained somewhere else because we sense all those frustrations and stuff. It's actually because we have a wrong view of what ministry is. Yeah. Ministry is dealing with those things. Yep. It never is somehow finding a place where I can stand up and talk with a clean slate that right. doesn't have to deal with sin between a husband and a wife, right. sin between parents and their children, sin between yeah. siblings and a sin between coworkers in a community. Like, and, and, and part of what's bringing this to my mind is, you know, we've only been at our church now for about nine months. And I'm, I sense that the need for me to be pastored well by our pastors there and then for me to be able to minister to others um, means that I have to get to know them in those ways. Yeah. That I actually need to get to the place that a lot of people who grow up in that community, they're already there. They're already at the end of their, their, you know, at the end of themselves and realizing like, I'm not going to change these people. These people, I'm aware of the things where they resist the Lord's conviction. I'm aware of the places where they try to ignore God's word. Like, yeah, I'm just realizing like, yeah. So to double down on what you were saying, it is actually a distinct advantage to be aware of those things. Not just because they'll know you well enough. I think that's kind of what you were emphasizing. They'll, they'll see that you love them. They can trust you, those kind of things. But it's a really important part of ministry that even if you don't know that now, you need to get to know that. Yeah. Because I'm not sure you're really engaging your church with the gospel and the redemption that it offers us if you're not interacting with those parts of people. Yeah. The... Yeah, the, the sins that they want to disguise from someone who only knows them for a couple of years and then packs his bags and moves on. You yeah. can do that with a pastor who's just coming in, you know, to preach his 150 sermons that he's got ready and then he moves on to the next church and you have to find someone else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, um, 
if that's actually what's motivating somebody to leave their you know hometown church and go get trained somewhere else and go somewhere else if they're just running away from difficult relationships or relationships that um, people that feel like they're you know kind of plateauing um, yeah, well, I mean, what are you going to do once you get to the new church and you've been there 20 years, you know? Like, yeah. um, right. Yeah. And You're I think, always going to have people problems. So. so one thing that I would say um, to be aware of in seminary or Bible college, you're going away and you're creating that community we were talking about, but in some ways you're also building your expectation for what ministry should look like. And you're building it with people who are all very serious about the gospel. They really want to grow in Christ. They're consciously making sacrifices to study God's word together. That can build an expectation that you then go to a church where people are living their ordinary lives, seeking to be faithful to Christ. And you can think, I, I'm either going to force this church to be like what I had in seminary, or I'm going to leave it as soon as I can and find a church who will do that for me. I just want a church that's talking about big theological words and everybody's zealous for every meeting I put on. And they, just like I did with my, you know, notepad and pencil when my professor was speaking, I want to see my whole church doing that. Yeah. And so kind of can set up an expectation for ministry that is not, is not what I think pastoral ministry is, what the gospel calls us to. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, if you, if you just think, oh, once I once I go to the um, once I go to the the college or the seminary and I know a bunch of things, then people will listen to me and take me seriously. <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> you're, I think you're gonna you need more humility than that. Yeah. Um, which you know, even myself, it it took me. I think it took me two or three, if not four, years to realize once I once I started doing college ministry, like. I was just using big theological words and they were just going over people's heads and, um, you know, and it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't trying to, I wasn't setting out to just like, I want to sound smart. So I'm going to use all these words, but just realizing like, just because I had learned this term and understood it and that's how it made sense to me. Like you got to translate that into, um, just kind of everyday language for, for, a lot of people. Um, yeah. And so just learning how to communicate well. Um, yeah, that, that took, that took some time for me to, to get around that. So, so you're right. I mean, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. But I just, I would kind of wrap that thought up by saying, I, I think my counsel would be, do not leave to go get trained in an institution. If what you're look if what you think ministry is, um, it's just being able to speak to people who are hanging on your every word and you'll never have to get into the weeds of their life. <laughs> yeah. If, oh, you, yeah. if you don't get into the weeds of their life, if you never get to that place where you feel like, okay, now I see the things that won't change about this person unless God changes them, then I'm not sure you're really doing serious, mature pastoral ministry. Yeah. We really want to get to the place where we realize it could only be something supernatural that changes this person. Yeah. And I think it's just a lack of faith that makes us run from that sometimes. That yeah. makes us think, you know what, I do want to get out of this. I want to go get trained in a Bible college and then go to another church because I don't feel like these people could ever change. I've never seen the change that I want to see in a church. 
Yeah. It's a lack of faith. Yep. We, we're, we're supposed to be aware of those things so that we can be praying for them, so that we can try to apply the gospel to it again and again, be the brother who forgives 70 times 7, those kind of, yeah. that approach to ministry. Yep. And I, I think if you're... And you're not, and the, the, I mean, the, the pastor isn't the, the you know, ultimate agent of change. I mean, it's, it's the word of God. Right. It's um, God working through prayer. So if you think you, if you, if you're, if you're setting out to try to change people, you're already setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, right. Um, right. It doesn't matter what you've read at Bible college. You're not going <laughs> to learn a word that's big enough to fix those problems. Yep. Yep. And not that I'm against the big words, um, but just that don't let that be what your faith is resting right. in. If you're running because you don't have faith that God can change the people around you, you're only going to go to another church for two, three, four years until you find those frustrations again in that group of people. Yeah. And you're just going to train yourself to run away from those problems and move on to another church. Right. right. I mean, it, it, when you were talking about, you know, this, this idea of somebody wanting to leave to go get trained somewhere else, um, because these people will never listen to them. I mean, you can have the same problem, even if you're a lay person, just thinking, oh, this church has problems. Yeah. I want to go to a new church. Yeah. I mean, just the, the church hopping comes from this idea of if I just go somewhere else, everything will be better. Yeah. But um, you know, wh- wherever you go, it. there you are. I mean, you're bringing your own sins with you, yeah. and y- you can't get away from that. Yeah. Um, what What is it that Pastor Bob says that... Um, a shepherd should smell like sheep. I feel like that was Jared Wilson. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. We'll try to give our credit. Some name drop there. Jared C. Wilson, I think, said. I'm not sure. Okay. I think you and I heard that at one of the conferences at the seminary one okay. time. But yeah. Yep. Yep. So shepherds need to smell like sheep. Yeah. And it's, it's a can be a stinky, messy job sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. So the last thing that I'd like to really focus now on is the actual training because we've really yeah. talked about the value of ministering in the same place for a yeah, long pr- time present your case why, why yeah, should somebody why, be... what is the value not just not just to the church to have leaders but to the person being trained why is it valuable to that person to stay where they're at while they're seeking training okay they're going to sacrifice big things they're going to sacrifice that community that we talked about that's really valuable they're going to sacrifice an opportunity to really grow in their personal convictions by being separated from their comfort zone they're going to sacrifice some things but are there any goods that they maintain by staying where they're at to be trained um and let me just throw a bible verse out there and you can play with it and if nothing comes to mind then i'll share a little bit more what i've been thinking about um I think what put me down this track was 1 Timothy 1.5. It says, The aim of our charge, which I think is Paul's doctrinal teaching. In, in the book of 1 Timothy, it seems he uses the term charge to talk about um, his, his, yeah, his doctrine and beliefs. The, the aim of what we teach or the aim of what we charge people with is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. So, and that word, the aim, is the, it's the Greek word telos. It's, it could mean like the purpose or the end, the, the intended result of the teaching that we're giving is that love would issue out from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Almost to say, gaining that doctrinal knowledge and not having an outlet that can come out in love for people 
is going to thwart the intention. The purpose is gain this teaching so that it can be expressed in these ways. If you agree with that interpretation, how can you see how that might relate to it matters who you're around when you're being trained? Does that strike you in any way? Um, yeah, I think so. Let, let me let me maybe run with another thought and and then mm-hmm. see if you can connect them back together because I'm, I'm sure they relate somehow, but. Just as you're as you're describing uh, the idea of being trained where you're from, just like with a job, you can go you can go sit through a class and learn what you're supposed to do, or you can have on the job training. And I think oftentimes the on the job training is usually the more beneficial, more practical because it's realistic. It's yeah. actually you know in the classroom. You know, you learned about what to do when there's, you know, this problem. But when you're actually on the job and this problem comes up, you're, you're learning how to deal with it there. Or you realize, oh, there are way more variables than what's in a controlled classroom. And yeah. so just the, um, I mean, the, so the advantage of the classroom is you are, you're setting that time apart to um, invest deeply in, into learning. So I don't want to... I don't want to downplay that or um, demonize that at all. Um, and I don't, I think both of us really value, really value it, but, but you know, maybe it's not for everyone. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and I mean, especially what what I appreciate with what you're doing with Agros is it meets people where they're at because you're, you're a lot of times working with guys who have full-time jobs and they can't, um, they're not, devoting you know four to six years to school Mm -hmm. and so um you're you're thinking how to you know how to support and train people who you know have full-time jobs and have families and already have church commitments and things like that and so there's um there's definitely an advantage to that of just being able to meet somebody where they're at and, and give them something you know if if they aren't able to go go away to school um maybe for financial reasons maybe because of the time commitment maybe it's just the stage of life whatever it is um you're still you're still able to give them more by um by by meeting with them by giving them the resources by you know holding some workshops um so i really appreciate that yeah um sorry that was kind of a tangent but so anyway the idea of on-the-job training like i just think Especially if, if you're able to learn from the pastors who are already doing there, uh, doing the work there mm-hmm. at that church, like, um, I mean, Lord willing, they've already they already have that heart of love, like you're talking about. Um, and so yeah. what they're doing, I mean, if they've if they've been there for a while and if they've stuck it out, they they probably have a pretty deep love for Jesus and love for these people. Yeah. And so you're getting to imitate that and see that, which that's something you probably won't get in the classroom, at least not in the same way, yeah. but actually being able to imitate that kind of love. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think a lot of seminaries, uh, well, okay, I don't know if a lot of seminaries, but at least, at least the Bible college that I went to, you know, they, they emphasize the, the connection to the local church um, in the seminary portion, which I didn't, I haven't been to seminary, I just went to Bible college, but, you know, they... Um, they tried to create 
real opportunities for for student seminary students to be serving in churches. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that is a part of a seminary education. But um, but yeah, being able to learn from the pastors who are already doing the work. Um, yeah. Uh, hopefully a lot of that love is is already there. Right. You would catch it from them. I right. think that's that's a really good point. Basically to say you need. You need to be well acquainted with, let's say if your small town is a a farming community, you need to be pretty well acquainted with what farmers deal with regularly in order to be a good pastor to farmers. And so that that hands-on, on-the-job training means you're going to have to uh, emphasize the things that the people around you need. You're going to have to become well adept at that kind of, those topics, I guess, is one way to look at it. Um, The danger is that you could let your church dictate what you study. And so if nobody in your church ever asks about the orthodox doctrines of the Trinity, then you would never learn what those are and possibly teach heresy without even being aware of it because you didn't, you didn't study or train that. So your church can't be, you know, it's, it's God's word that sets the terms for what we need to study and how hard we need to study. But I just want to add, add to that there is a value in being faithful to study God's word and keeping the community of people around you the ones that you want to minister to long term so that as you're studying you're you're learning these things and seeing how it can issue out in love for the people around you so and that's kind of so the really the way I've come to think about it right now is the value is that you already have these relationships with these people that you that you grew up with, let's say, um, that you know really well, the opportunities to take what you're studying in God's Word and instantly let it issue out in love is already there. Yeah, you already have that opportunity to make that uh, process flow from head to heart to speaking that to people you actually love, yeah. and you're not going to be able to do it in a hypocritical way. They're not going to take it from you if you just say like oh, I learned this really fancy doctrine and this fixes all of your problems. You're not yeah. even going to want to do that because you know the depths of their problems. You know them well. You won't be able to be superficial about it. Yeah. You'll see how it connects to their everyday lives because you're really invested in and a part of those lives. Yeah. And so I just don't think it should surprise us that guys get torn out of that loving community or that I should say that church where they have all those relationships they get dropped into uh, an institution for their training, and a lot of them. This is at least uh, you know a stereotype. A lot of them just get really big heads. Yeah, they become hot shots. Yeah, who love all the things they think, and I think it's because God's word is saying that is not meant to just go in the head and stay. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart. Yeah, the reason you're being given this knowledge and and studying God's word deeply. Yeah. So that it can issue out in love. And we've just taken them out of all the relationships that they know people and have the greatest capacity to love. Yeah. Um, and then it's, I shouldn't, I'm not trying to say all seminary students don't love people. They do. It just shouldn't surprise us then that that's the community they spend the next four years around. They really start loving those people. It shouldn't surprise us that they're then going to try to plant a church or pastor a church in that community around those kind of people because their love has been issuing to those people. And I just want to say there's a real value in helping us as we study God's word that keeps hypocrisy from growing up in us, that keeps 
in like uh, you know what Paul calls the the false knowledge that pops up, yeah. those kind of things. I yeah. think we're guarded more against those when we have to remain in the relationships with people who know us well. Yeah. And are not impressed with us. They're yeah. they're not going to be intimidated by a big word. They'll take you out to the woodshed and beat you up if you try to <laughs> mock them with your big words. You know, like being kept um, in check by those relationships and being being uh, yeah, just being able to keep on your radar, loving people with the charge that I'm receiving from God's word. Yeah, I think is immensely valuable while you're being trained, and I think that we we downplay it because we really want people to learn deep things of God's word and even to an academic level and yeah. kind of miss that I would say a crucial ingredient is that that charge is then issuing out of us in love for the people around us and that yeah. can happen best with people that we know yeah and that's why I would encourage people I'd, I'd say I see there there's value you sacrifice some things in going away for school but let's say there's a guy out there who wants to be trained for pastoral ministry and can't go don't think that that's that going to Bible college or seminary is the only way you can be equipped for it. I think there is a unique value in you personally studying as hard as you can and doing that in the context of the relationships you have so that you learn how those things transform those frustrations and bitternesses and, and those things that you're aware of in the church people around you. Any final thoughts? Any? Yeah, Would no. you like to... Yeah. A final contradicting word. Yeah, no, all of that was wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just no and, and and what you're saying I think is is great because if if you have if you have a young man and he's he's staying in that church community and he's he's learning these things and he's sharing sharing what he's learning as he's learning it. He's involving those people in the learning and growing process. Yeah. So and and hopefully that um, that kind of you know, keeps it from being a situation where he's like the guru who's coming down from yeah. the mountain with yeah. all the knowledge. It might even equip them to learn better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of it being, oh, I just got back from, you know, Bible college or seminary and here's all the answers. It's, right. hey, look what I just learned. Yeah. And, or, hey, I'm really confused about this. What do you guys think? Yeah. It actually, it, it brings them along in the learning and growing process. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would just wanted to add to this podcast. I think there is a biblical value in being trained in the context of the relationships you're in. I think First Timothy 1.5 encourages us to that. I think the example of uh, Titus on the island of Crete, he goes around and he appoints elders in the towns where those men live. He doesn't get them packed up, trained somewhere else, and then send them to their, a different town it's the people that everyone knows and already aware of all their, uh, all their baggage. And, and that's where the gospel meets us is in those situations. So we want that kind of relationship with people. And it's a great place for us to be trained to see how the gospel relates to those ordinary parts of life. That sound a good place to wrap up? Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Will. Yeah.